0: And then, by the time it came to the summer of 2021, things had gotten so bad, and the the burning and the inflammation spread up my body um, to the point where I just I had to be in a wheelchair because I couldn't even I couldn't walk. There was so much pain in my feet that I could barely do anything but take a few careful steps. There's
1: a young man by the name of Julian Young. He was in seminary, right at the middle of COVID. And guess what? He heard the encouragement of Pope Francis to get the vaccine. He heard his seminary repeat that encouragement. And he's one of the ones who did get it. He got vaccine one, vaccine two, and the booster. And guess what? He's received some absolutely horrendous effects. In fact, he's now in a wheelchair. He's looking for help to get some treatment. He's tried all sorts of things already. There's this one treatment that uh, looks promising, and uh, he's asking for help to get that. But we're going to talk to him now about, you know, about his vocation and about how he got into this and what happens with the taking of this vaccine, so-called. This is Jonathan Weston Show. Stay tuned. Hey friends, this July, we at LifeSite are celebrating 25 years of service to life, faith, family, and freedom with a gala in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So especially for those of you who couldn't join us in the United States, LifeSite is gathering our whole team and a few very special guests in the pro-life and pro-family movement for a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity at our newly announced 25th anniversary Canadian gala. LifeSite's star video reporter, Jim Hale, will be there with an on-stage special with the 16-year-old Canadian pro-family hero Josh Alexander. Experience LifeSite's Faith and Reason show live with Father James Altman and Liz Yore. You'll be able to interact with our reporters from all over the world, including U.S. Bureau Chief Doug Mainwaring, Canadian reporter Anthony Murdoch, and Rome correspondent Michael Haynes. You'll also hear keynotes from LifeSite co-founder Steve Jelsovac and myself. So RSVP for the 25th anniversary Canadian Gala now. And don't miss the opportunity to get a live, in-person, studio experience of LifeSite's top news show that broadcasts every Friday at 8 p.m., Faith and Reason. Seating is very limited, so RSVP and get your tickets today for LifeSite's 25th anniversary Canadian Gala in the beautiful Hilton Toronto Markham Hotel this July 18th. To buy tickets for the 25th Anniversary Canadian Gala, visit gala25can.lifesitenews.com. I look forward to seeing you there. God bless you. Julian Young, welcome to the program.
0: Thanks for having
1: me. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, Julian... Unbelievable what happened to you. I'm going to let you tell us a story from the start, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, I think a lot of people need to hear this. Yes. And they should know, too, right off the bat, we've got a life funder going for Julian at LifeFunder.com. But uh, please go ahead.
0: Growing up, I wasn't really raised uh, strictly in the faith. My mother's side of the family was Catholic. My father's side was actually Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, but I wasn't strictly brought up in any particular tradition. So it really wasn't until after high school, um, after I graduated in 2010, that I had my own uh, conversion. God kind of awakened me. Um, and it really set me on the path towards spiritual truth. Um, although, like I mentioned in the article, I didn't immediately recognize Jesus Christ as the truth. Um, so I unfortunately, I started dipping into a bunch of different uh, religious um, traditions, and uh, I subscribed to uh, religious pluralism at that time, um, naively. So that kind of led me down, uh, unfortunately, a, a path where it opened up some doorways to spiritual attack, um, and at that point, I kind of got a, a little nervous and anxious about what was going on, so I kind of froze with everything, and um, it wasn't until I uh, an interior voice prompted me to pray to our Lord, which was not something I had ever done before, Um but once I did that, um, I started to feel uh, a flame ignite within me as if my soul just intuitively recognized um, its Lord um, and wanted to worship him. And that was kind of like the journey that uh, the start of the journey that set me on the path towards Christianity in general. Um, and I did have a little bit of a sidetrack with Protestantism for a while, but eventually divine providence led me into the Catholic Church. So um I was totally. What received. was that
1: move, if you don't mind? A lot of people go through that. What uh, brought you into Catholicism from Protestantism?
0: Right. So um, while I was a Protestant, it was only for about roughly a year that I was a Protestant. Um, but while during that time, um, I just started getting the sense that there was something missing. Um, and I also started to um, recognize some contradictions that I was hearing. From the teachings of the pastors compared to what was actually in scripture. Um, and it wasn't until I actually, I had met a friend who happens to be Catholic at that time. And I started having Bible studies with him. And he's the one who kind of really started to open up scripture to me in light of the Catholic tradition. And um, those Bible studies with him, I think were very critical for me because things started to click. Um, and I reached a point eventually where I just realized the Catholic Church really does have the fullness of the truth. Um, And I really just needed the grace of the Holy Spirit at that moment to just make the full transition, which he did clearly give me. Um, So um, I eventually was fully received into the Catholic uh, Catholic Church in 2017. So yeah, that was the transition process for me. (laughs) Beautiful. Um, So,
1: you know, how did your vocation spark? So becoming catholic is one thing but a lot of people are catholic they don't become priests
0: right right so actually during my whole um my whole conversion uh i did have a girlfriend at the time and i thought that i wanted to be married um but once i became catholic um and i started growing deeper in my faith i started recognizing this desire uh growing within me particularly while i was at mass um, I started feeling the desire that I wanted to be the one up there, and I, I felt this strong desire to be able to unite myself to Christ in the holy sacrifice of the mass, um, and I think my girlfriend at the time recognized this, um, because we eventually came to a point where we had a mutual agreement that I think uh, we both thought God was calling us in different directions, so um, we eventually went our separate ways. It was a very peaceful, and um, to the relationship. And that's when I really started discerning my vocation seriously. Um, So I didn't immediately uh, think that I wanted to be a diocesan priest. Uh, um, In the first place, I wanted to maybe do evangelization uh, in terms of like missionary work overseas. So I did end up leaving the country in uh, 2019. And I went to join the foreign missions of Paris and their mother house is in Paris, but they evangelize the uh, the eastern countries um, for the most part. So I joined them as a propaedutic or uh, novice um, for a period of five months in discernment. Uh, and then I eventually realized uh, during that time of discernment that it really wasn't the calling for me after all. So that's when I made the decision to come back home to the States and uh, join the seminary. And that was by that time, it was around uh, 2020. So Wow!
1: Already, yeah. so you came back in the thick of it. What what was going on in 2020 when you arrived? Was there any already signs of COVID, or what was going on then?
0: Yeah. So I actually I feel like it was divine providence uh, the timing that I left France because um, I was just beginning to hear about the COVID uh, virus starting to spread, um, and I came back in February of 2020. And it was shortly after that, that the lockdown started. So if I had come back, tried to come back any later, I might have been trapped there. So um, it really was divine providence that brought me back. Um, and then I, once I came home, I immediately just started the process to apply to a seminary in my diocese. So, yeah. hmm. Beautiful.
1: So, I mean, this sounds pretty, pretty idyllic, you know, you're, you're going through. How in the world... And I mean, I should let you unfold your story because it, it's just, we'll see. Okay, tell us what happens next. You know that here on LifeSight we love to tell amazing stories. There are few so heroic and amazing as the story we're about to tell you that's coming soon. You got to watch this. When I was in seminary, I was reading a book by Henry and He talked about a nuclear man, you know, and people who grew up in the 1980s were kind of formed by that immediate and constant threat of nuclear annihilation. My generation has grown up, you know, under the specter of priestly sexual abuse.
0: What say you, Mr.
1: Foreperson, is the defendant guilty or not guilty? I think that for many of us that has also been all-encompassing you know I mean I entered the seminary in January of 2004 and it's basically been there for me from in the beginning. One priest's sacrifice for many priestly sins the story of Father John Holliwell coming soon from lifesight news
0: <laughs> okay. All right, so I I joined the seminary in my diocese. Um, I began the the fall semester of 2020. And as we know, of course, that's when uh, all the hype and fear about COVID uh, was starting to pick up. And uh, all the talk about the vaccines that were, or I shouldn't say vaccines, because technically we know that's not what they really were. But um, that was when they were beginning to be rolled out. And um, there was a lot of disagreement, of course. and there was a lot of, uh, of course we know within the church, there was a lot of con- uh, trying to convince us that it was an act of charity to get the vaccines. Um, and then we have other people who were um, rightly so saying that it was they were produced too fast uh, and that they're potentially dangerous. So it was hard to know what voice to listen to really. And there was a lot of confusion. Um, and unfortunately I did decide to um, received the two Moderna shots in um, 2021. And by this time, um, I believe I was in my my in the beginning of my second year. Um, and so I received those two shots and the effects weren't immediate. Um, I did start to experience some inflammation in my lower body, which seemed kind of weird because it's not something I had ever experienced before. And it was making it a little bit um, uncomfortable to sit and a, a bit painful. Um, but I just, I went to the chiropractor. I figured that would like be the thing that helps me. Um, and it had a little bit of a helpful um, effect, but it, it didn't really fix the inflammation that kind of persisted. Um, and then around the, that time of that fall semester in my second year, I had also injured my foot, uh, by running down some, some steps and, uh, landing on my foot too hard. And, uh, the ball of my foot began to become inflamed. Um, and then, to my bafflement. I, I couldn't really explain why, and no doctor has been able to explain why, but the other foot started to experience the same exact pain pattern and inflammation. And I had done nothing to injure the other foot. So it was kind of just a very odd phenomenon that I was dealing with. Um, I I had gone to the podiatrist at that point and he put me in a boot and he said it would be better in six weeks or so. Um, Unfortunately, that's not what happened. Things got a lot worse. Uh, the pain in my feet, both both of my feet uh, elevated to an extreme burning and a tingling. And I eventually started having muscle spasms, like these very, very crazy muscle spasms, um, particularly while I was trying to sleep. I would experience like my limbs and my body just jolting out of nowhere. And I really started to um, just really freak out at this point because I had no idea what was going on with my health. And I remember going to my dean in the middle of the semester and just really being um, just kind of frantic and hysterical about this because i I'm trying to focus on my studies and all these odd things are happening to me. And uh, it's very, very hard to get around campus at this point. Um, So I did manage to thankfully to finish the semester, but it was very hard. I had to use a knee scooter For the rest of the semester Um, and then by the time it came to the summer of 2021 things had gotten so bad and the the burning and the inflammation spread up my body um, to the point where I just I had to be in a wheelchair because I couldn't even I couldn't walk there was so much pain in my feet that I could barely do anything but take a few careful steps before having to sit back down Um, and so I was forced to take a medical leave to, uh, from my studies unfortunately and um, my bishop was very very agreeable and he he said you know I could come I'm welcome to come back after I regain my health and he gave me that time to really try to find out what's going on and go to different doctors and specialists and try to figure out my health um so that was a year ago that I started that medical leave and I'm still not better despite the fact that I i have seen so many doctors, I've seen so many specialists, I've been in and out of the ER so many times, I can't even keep track of of how many times it's been. Um, I have been able to get some answers um, in terms of the autoimmune conditions that have developed um, from what I believe to have been these COVID shots. Um, And it really wasn't until um, some friends pointed out to me the timing between my getting the shots I should also clarify and go back that it was after I received the booster shot uh, of that the same year that I got the Moderna shots, I received the booster in the winter and then that's when things really blew up with my health. Um, So it was my friends who pointed out the timing between my getting the shots and the decline of my health that really started to open my eyes to what I may be dealing with here. And I've tried a lot of the different detox protocols, um, particularly um, the FLCCC, frontline COVID uh, COVID critical care, um, doctors and researchers who've really done a lot to try to help people recover from these uh, injuries that have resulted from the shots. Um, I've done a lot of the different protocols that they put out. Some things have definitely helped, um, other things haven't. Um, My progress hasn't been in any way linear, I would say because other aspects of my health have continued to decline. Um, so, yeah, I've tried a lot of things at this point. Um, and at this point, I think it's really a matter of dealing with the autoimmune issues now that the the shots have triggered. Um, so, really... Jul-
1: Julian, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you
0: now? I'm 31.
1: Okay. And so, life in seminary before this started happening, but in the middle of covid I mean, all over the world, uh, seminaries tended to be pretty strict in terms of masking and and pushing the vaccine. Was it
0: similar in yours? Right. Um, so, in our semin- seminary, thankfully, the uh, they weren't mandating that we get these uh, shots. Um, I know that some other seminaries were, so um, I w- I'm very grateful that ours wasn't doing that. However, they were uh, they were trying to convince us that it was an act of charity. Um, and um, they really wanted us to do it because they believed it was the safe thing for us to do. Um, And, you know, uh, being in the position of, again, I was confused in in terms of the conflicting um, voices as to whether this was safe or whether it wasn't. Um, And when it's coming from positions of authority, you want to obey, you want to do the right thing um, in your conscience. So that's kind of where I, uh, part of why I made the decision also and also coupled with the fact that um my mother uh, has an already a compromised immune system so um there were uh, not the seminary itself but in general how the media was pushing fear about protecting your loved ones um um etc so in terms of the seminary however themselves they weren't really mandating that we do get the shots but they were strongly encouraging it so right
1: and were they doing the whole masking thing as well or were they
0: or were uh yes they, we uh... were doing we were required to to mask um, for a period of time. Eventually, they did lift lift that um, and became more lenient as the uh, the COVID um, cases started to die down, um, in particular on our campus. So,
1: a lot of seminaries too uh, forbade communion in the hand. Uh, excuse me, on the tongue, uh, and allowed it only on the hand if they allowed it at all. Where did yours right. fall
0: into that mix? In the very beginning, um, when everything was just blowing up they, they did make um a quick decision to not allow us to receive on the tongue unfortunately it mm-hmm. did receive some um criticism and backlash from some of the seminarians um but it was very quick where they they turned that decision around and they allowed us they simply just um incorporated um uh, a little cup with a hand sanitizer for them to dip their fingers in and wipe their fingers between each person receiving holy communion so mm-hmm. that was, we're very really grateful for that we were still able to receive uh, on the ton very quickly. So Yeah. Yeah. So
1: yeah. you've fared at least in those terms you've fared better than many. Yes. Um, okay. so what's gone on since um you know how are things looking for you? What are your hopes right now?
0: Right. So my hopes um again I had this life funder that I I I've started that uh LifeSite has helped promote for me, which I'm very grateful for um in particular, I'm trying to to get to this one clinic in Arkansas called the Sparrow Clinic. Um, it's a homeopathic clinic. They have all homeopathic modalities, um, and it's a they have an intensive three month uh, neuroregenerative program um, where they've combined all these different modalities aim at restoring the autonomic nervous system. So the two different autoimmune diseases that have developed as a result of these shots. Um, are both rooted in autonomic nervous system dysfunction. So the one of one of them is um, called complex regional pain syndrome, um, and that's causing chronic inflammation throughout all the nerves in my body, which has really spread to my entire body at this point. Um, and then the other one is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which affects the blood pressure and the heart. Um, if I'm standing up for too long, um, my feet will well first of all from the crps the feet will spike up in nerve pain and from the pots i will start to get dizzy and lightheaded and i'll have to sit down immediately Um, so i'm very limited on the time that i can be on my feet um, which is why i've had to use the wheelchair Um, so yes my hope to get to this clinic is they have a very high remission rate for these conditions in particular And just the fact that I've spent so much time in the traditional allopathic medicine world trying to pursue solutions to these issues. And it's been a year, a little over a year now, and I've gotten almost nowhere. Um, And it's very, very frustrating. Um, The solutions that they want to give are just Band-Aid solutions, or they just want to give you um, drugs that'll honestly, in a lot of cases, make things worse or won't help at all. Um, so it's just it's been very frustrating and I've gotten nowhere. And given the fact that this particular clinic that I'm trying to get to has a high remission rate, and they also have a YouTube channel where you can see people going through their treatment program, um, and you can see how bad they were going into the clinic in a wheelchair, um, and you see the end result where they're standing, they they look healthy, they look like they've gotten their life back. So I figured if it's possible for these other people, God willing, I I think it be worth the shot and I think God can make it possible for me as well so that's really what my hope is at this point indeed um what are your
1: thoughts about priesthood are you still you still feel a vocation
0: I do still very strongly feel a vocation um I really hope that after I'm able to get well that I'd be able to immediately reapply to the seminary and my bishop has been very again he's been very um generous in that regard and saying that I can reapply once I get better. Um, so I still feel that strong calling. Um, in a way I do feel like I am still in formation because this suffering has really been an opportunity to offer it up and unite it with Christ. And I know that's an, an important part of the priesthood. So, um, although it's been very, very difficult, nonetheless, um, I do feel like, um, a lot of grace has come through it and it's been, uh, very, um, Encouraging, I would say, in that regard, um, and I think it would—it's it, really been a, a, a experience that I'll take with me into my priesthood, God willing, um, when one day I'm ordained. So, hmm, yeah,
1: beautiful. Now, a lot of people would would say, "Hey, you know, you you were trying to do the right thing. You were trying to do to be a priest. You were trying everything, and you still got hit. And it's by God, uh, because God allows. The only way such things happens, God allows it." A lot of people would rebel. A lot of people might tell you, like, Job, curse God and die.
0: What's been right. your experience of any of that? Um, in terms of people offering any criticism for my decision?
1: And the whole thing, that the experience of it, going through it, working it out yourself, and, and any kind of sentiment like that you might have received.
0: Right. Okay. So um, I, I'm thankful that I haven't really received too much uh, criticism for my deciding to get the, va- the vaccine, or um, the quote-unquote vaccine. Uh The uh, really the response has been more one of overwhelming support. People are very understanding. They know that there was a lot of confusion around the time uh, where these things were being rolled out. So my friends were very supportive. They didn't, they themselves didn't decide to get the vaccine, but they had warned me prior um, to my getting it. Um, Unfortunately, just again, with all the confusion, I didn't really take that to heart. Um, So that's really my fault for not really taking that into more deeper consideration before making the decision. Um, but in general, I would say there hasn't really been too much negative criticism. There's just been an overwhelming amount of people, um, particularly within my parish that have just seen, wanted, uh, want to see me get better and go back to the seminary uh, really. So I'm very thankful for just the support that people have given me in that regard.
1: There are a lot of people that are, still um, they've taken one, sometimes two vaccines, they're thinking about taking boosters, don't know if they should. What would your advice be to them?
0: I would say we've been being told that these uh, these shots are going to help us in some way, but I think we've very, very clearly seen, um, there's just mounting evidence of, it, it doesn't make you immune to getting COVID in the first place. People can still get COVID as we've seen and it doesn't make you any less susceptible to spreading it to other people, um, and we've seen the amount of deaths, the amount of people coming out with autoimmune issues, um, cancers, all these different things, these negative effects, people, a lot of athletes dropping dead, as we've seen, so I would say um, very critically think about the, uh, the evidence that we've seen so far, if, if you're somebody who's considering getting another booster and and really question to yourself whether it's even helped you to begin with. Um, I know people who have received the vaccines and have still gotten COVID. um, And I don't think there's any evidence to suggest that had they not received uh, these shots that it would have been any worse. Um, I know people got it, gotten it and they got COVID and they didn't end up in the hospital. And I know people who didn't get the vaccine and they got COVID and they didn't end up in the hospital. So I don't think there's any conclusive evidence that these are really helpful in, in any way all, And I think to the contrary, we've seen overwhelming evidence that it's it's doing a lot of harm to people. So I would ask people to really question uh, why they would want to put more of these toxic substances into their body in the first place if it's not helping anybody. Indeed, indeed. Did you give much thought
1: or where were you at with regard to the whole abortion tainted nature of the of the shots? Hello LifeSite friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSight have minted just under 10,000 brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Each round is stamped on the back with an image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, we feature LifeSite's logo, surrounded by a brilliant sunburst and draped with olive branches, and each round commemorates LifeSite's 25 years of pro-life, pro-family reporting in America, Canada, and beyond. These one troy ounce rounds are 0.999 pure silver, and LifeSite has just under 10,000 in stock. They're beautiful, historic, and forever enshrining the most important American pro-life victory of a generation. This first edition LifeSite Silver Round is the perfect gift for yourself or anyone you love that collects precious metals and is passionately pro-life. And each purchase helps directly fund LifeSite's pro-life and pro-family mission. This is the first precious metals collectible of its kind that is directly supporting LifeSite's worldwide mission that you know, love, and trust. And now it can be yours while limited supplies last. Get your one troy ounce rounds of 99% pure silver today by clicking the first link below and celebrate life with all of us at LifeSite News.
0: Um, so... With that, I did give some thought to that before I received the vaccine and that was an issue that I talked to um like some friends about. Um I think the whole thing with the, the Vatican coming out um with the whole um the whole moral thing in terms of it being an act of charity. Um I can't remember all the the um the reasoning that they gave behind um kind of overlooking the uh abortive the abortion aspect of these shots, but I know that in, in terms of my having considered it, unfortunately, at the time, that kind of seemed that response from the Vatican kind of seemed to suffice for me. Um, if I'm looking back now, I think that was a really um, dumb decision on my part to to overlook that and not think about that more critically. Um, I will say it, was, it definitely was a concern in the beginning, but I don't know. Uh, really in terms of the confusion I guess uh, between people saying it's good and whether it's bad and whether it's moral or not Um, and also I think the biggest factor was just wanting to protect my family my mom in particular Um, I think that's kind of what caused me to just say okay um, if the Vatican's saying it's fine um, then I'll do this Um, and now I know of course that wasn't the right decision so yeah unreal do you think that's characteristic of a lot of
1: people do you think a lot of people who would have said no it's abortion and i'm not going to do that but were swayed by uh pope francis very explicitly stating this and and basically saying you must get it um and uh, also that you know that it's uh, remote material cooperation it's it's nothing right about it. in fact then turning it on its head and calling it an act of charity
0: right yeah yeah i think um I think it is something that probably has swayed a lot of people. I think that in combined with the fear aspect um, is really what maybe kind of blinded a lot of people to overlook something so serious as that. Um, I think the fear, if you can get a lot of people to fear, you can, you can get them to do anything almost, I, I would say. Um, and I think the, the media really used that to its advantage. Um, so with the whole fear component, um, of course, there's a lot of people who, who weren't swayed by the fear and thank God for that, um, but I think, yeah, if you're combining the fear and um, all these other aspects of confusion, I think it's easy to kind of say, okay, the Vatican's saying it's all right, so I, I'm afraid and I don't want to harm my family, I don't want to bring any sickness to my family. So um, I'm going to get this shot anyway, regardless of whether there's a grave moral issue involved. Um, I think, unfortunately, yeah, that that has swayed a lot of people, myself included, and and shame on me for really being swayed by that in the first place. But um, I guess what's done is done, um, and I've definitely prayed about that afterwards, um, and you know, asked for forgiveness for even making that decision despite that that uh, moral qualm. But yeah unfortunately i think that's just what we've dealt with so yeah well
1: julian thank you for speaking out because i think that's really important it's it's hard on the other side to to uh, speak out and uh, you've done so your you know your witness will be a warning to many many people um i hope people can go and i uh, wish you all the best with your vocation we'll get to your life funder life funder for julian young uh, to uh, help him get this treatment, which will hopefully, God willing, lead not only to his healing but to his uh, getting back to sem- seminary and uh, becoming a holy priest. And I'm, can I um, can I ask you? Well, I'm sure you'll be praying for those uh, who donate, uh, and perhaps even when you're a priest.
0: Yes, absolutely, I will. I'm, like I said in the beginning, I'm so grateful for the amount of support that is just within the first three days of the article being published and the life funder being up. The overmounting, the oh, I'm sorry, the overwhelming amount of um, donations that have flooded in. Um, I'm so very grateful to everybody who supported me, who who have um, left just comments wishing me well, wishing um, for my better health, and praying for me. So I'm definitely going to keep everybody in prayer, and um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to see the amount of support that continues on from here. So. Beautiful.
1: Julian Young, thank you so much for being with us. God bless you.
0: God bless you, too. Thank you for having me. And God bless all of you. And we'll see
1: you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all the latest life, family, faith, and freedom news. Thanks for watching.